Hey everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball with Jamie Uretsky. And here today we are on location at Big Portage Lake in Land of Lakes, Wisconsin, looking out over the beautiful lake and having a great time with the family here. And uh, as a matter of fact, in a few minutes we're going to invite one of our guests of the show, Mike Glaucks, to join us and give us a little bit of uh his uh, thoughts on the Cubs and on the Hall of Fame and on a few other exciting things. But uh, in the meantime, you might hear a few swats of mosquitoes. They're as big as, uh, they're gigantic out here. I can't even tell you how big they are, but I mean, they are big. And this is episode number 23, and that's a big uh, number for the Chicago Cubs, a team that we like to follow. Ryan Sandberg. Yes, sir, Ryan Sandberg. Sometimes I forget about the Cubs, and I forget about the uh, great players that have played there. But I know that uh, Mike, a big Cub fan, would be disappointed if we didn't talk about number 23, Ryan Sandberg. And in fact, on our Instagram site that we're going to put up here in a little while after the podcast is posted, uh, has Ryan Sandberg uh, on the cover, number 23 on the cover, and the reason for that is on June 23rd of all days, way back when, it was the Sandberg game. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little bit about the All-Star team. We'll talk a little bit about the Home Run Derby. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Cubs' acquisition of Craig Kimbrell, hadn't had exactly a stellar beginning. We'll talk about the $200 million of debt that uh, Theo has given to Mr. Ricketts in terms of payroll salary for non-productive players such as uh, Chatwood, Darvish, Morrow, guy named Drew Smiley last year, $5 million for doing nothing, and uh, now Craig Kimbrell. So, I mean, it's one thing to make a little mistake in a big market, but man, oh man, oh man, you know, how long is uh, Ricketts going to tolerate the I'm Theo Epstein and I know what I'm doing syndrome, but uh, hey, he's won two World Series, one with the Red Sox, broke that long spell, and he won uh, with the Cubs, so he's a hero, he'll be in the Hall of Fame, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there, but in the meantime, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Cubs and where they stand at the All-Star break, and we're only two days now away from the All-Star break, and uh, we'll talk about what's in store for the uh, second half of the season, although they're well into the second half of the season. Uh, we have a bad outing in Cincinnati, followed by a bad outing in Pittsburgh, followed by a day off on Friday, which is rare, and then uh, two games with the White Sox, and then four days off for the All-Star break. So, this is an exciting time. We've got the uh, the All-Star Home Run Derby lineup ready to go. And i got to tell you, we've got some exciting matches in this Home Run Derby. The number one seed is Christian Yelich. Yeah, you've all heard of him with the Milwaukee Brewers. He's got 31 dingers. And again, he's on line to maybe break the non-PED home run record of Roger Maris. That'd be exciting. He's going up against... Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with his eight home runs. Give me a break. This is clearly MLB trying to generate some interest. Okay. Then you got a guy I never heard of as a second-ranked guy. That's Pete Alonzo with the Mets. He has uh, 28 home runs, and uh, he popped one 457 feet. Not quite as far as Yelich, who's popped one 462 feet. And uh, Alonzo's going up against You've Got to Change Your Evil Ways, for those people born uh, around my 
my birth date. Carlos Santana. Yeah, great group. Then you've got the uh, uh, third seed, and this guy's legit. I mean, what a what a year he's putting up. Josh Bell, 473 feet is the farthest one he's hit. And he's going up against Cub Killer, the guy that's just a pain in our side, Ronald Acuna Jr. from Atlanta. He's hit one 465, and he's got 20 dingers. And then bringing up the rear is Alex Bregman of Houston with 22 homers and a guy that everybody loves to hate. I don't know why, but uh, he's one of the guys that at least Cub fans don't really care for, and that's Jack Peterson. Good guy, I'm sure. 20 home runs. So there you have that. We'll cover the All-Star game in our next podcast. There are a bunch of guys I've never even heard of playing in the All-Star game, and I kind of try to follow baseball a little bit. But uh, it's uh, it's weird. And is there any interest at all anywhere in the world for the All Star Game? I don't know. I don't. I, I just have a hard time finding any. But be that as it may, uh, we're going to go forward. We're going to have uh, some interesting commentary on uh, the Hall of Fame. We're going to have a little interesting commentary on, uh, on on the Cubs and maybe some other things. And it's going to be enjoyable. It's going to be a little. A uh, bit of nostalgia on Dave Nelson, and uh, that always happens. So I hope you'll uh, enjoy my interview with Mike Lauks, and uh, we'll be ready to roll after our first break, and then we'll bring that to you live. Thank you, and have a good day. Back on, on the lighter side of baseball, and we took a short break. You probably heard from sponsors in your own brain, but today, as I promised, we have our second live guest. The first was Craig Kashan. Uh, as you recall, Dick Hauser gave an interview to me, and Dick passed away. So here's Mike. He's got to be better than anybody in the world other than those two guys, and I know he will be. I've known Mike. Gosh, he was nine years old. He was a stud pitcher in Little League when I first met him. Uh, now... He's uh, working for Grubhub as their biggest, most productive, and successful sales guy in the history of Grubhub. Now, the company hadn't been around more than 15 or 20 years, but they have talked to us about maybe uh, not ever sponsoring this show. (laughs) And so, Mike, uh, disclaimer, as I've said, uh, Mike's my stepson and uh, one of the all-around great guys. We've done a lot together in baseball and sort of not in baseball. We're going to talk a little bit about it. Mike, uh, say hello to all the thousands of listeners out there. Happy to be here. Well, they're happy you're here because they don't have to listen to me <laughs> talk about everything under the sun without any uh, format for hours on end. My God, this is episode number 23, and uh, I know the answer to this question. If you were going to suggest who was the uh, most famous Cub to wear number 23 and we should model the podcast after that, who would it be? Ryan Sandberg, clearly. As I predicted, Mike came up with Sandberg. Now, I tried to forget as many Cubs as I could, and Mike reminded me that when we did Podcast 17, how in the world could I forget Gracie, but be that as it may. It is true. He was my favorite Cub. Uh, we now know Mike's favorite Cub. Yeah. Anybody else? Uh, right now, talk about the current Cub team and uh, some of your favorites and uh, what you do differently if you were Joe Madden. 
Uh, well, I went to Indiana University, so I will always be a Schwarber apologist uh, until the day I die. So he's always one of my favorites, even though his um, position at the leadoff spot is not your favorite position for him or on the team, potentially. Yeah, I mean, I've not only hitting. I mean, he's actually a better leadoff hitter than he is a left fielder, but go ahead and cover up his uh, mistakes in the outfield for us. It's getting harder and harder to defend him, but, you know, my loyalties lie with my alumni, so I will always stick to him, but um, I do think Lester's been one of the maybe best free agent signings in Chicago sports history, if you even want to go back that far. I mean, Give me some better examples of a guy that's come in that really changed the culture that led us to a World Series that has performed to his contract year in and year out. Uh, so he is hands down one of my favorite Cubs. Well, that eliminates six of the Bears quarterbacks. <laughs> but, okay, we'll forget about those free agent signings. Uh, Lester is great. You're right. I mean, that's the one uh, polar opposite of you, Darvish. Oh, God. Uh, Tyler Chatwood and... Uh, if you hear us swatting mosquitoes, like I said at the beginning, we got we got major league flies and major league mosquitoes up here. But that's what makes this on on the scene remote broadcast fun. So, in a I mean Schwarber, we were watching the game the other night, and I mean nobody. And this is why Mike and I like well Mike likes Schwarber better. I'd trade him, but be that as may, the guy really, really, really tries to maximize the lack of talent that he has. And Mike and I did that. Mike uh, Mike was a very tenacious football player at Blue Valley North High School. Uh, the team, when Mike left, went on and won the state championship. It's really uh, holding him back. Yeah. Uh, my baseball career, I was, you know, as I've said, I was a second-string catcher on a team that went 6 and 80. So we admire guys, and nobody works harder than Schwarber. Uh, some of the other guys that maybe aren't in the uh, Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo uh, class that you think have a future with the Cubs. Elmora, big Elmora fan. Love his defense. His bat was starting to come around at the beginning of this year. Um, Hamels, I've you know, I've, it's been great since he came over. He's kind of had a resurgence with his career, which has been fantastic to see. Yeah. Um, most of the bullpen is trash. They try. I mean. So one of the comments on that I've gotten is that, you know, I'm more on the grumpier side of the Cubs. So Mike's generally optimistic, <laughs> but you might not think that after uh, listening to him for the last few minutes. Well, but you know, the, the bullpen's hard to, hard to defend. I mean, I, I am not ready to sell season tickets like the other counterpart sitting next to me. But, uh, you know, they're still contending for the division I still think they could put it together and make a run they did it once already this year what they win 16 out of 20 games or something like that early on the season so that was after they lost 10 out of 13 and then they've gone on and lost uh, more games in June than they won for the first time in three years but yeah no I get your point living up to that negative stereotype Uh, I get your point (laughs) there and Mike brought up a good subject if anybody out there wants to uh uh, get a part of or all of my season ticket, give me a call. You know how to get a hold of me. I'm the only Uretsky podcasting right now. But, again, we got Mike. We're talking a little bit of Cubs baseball. Let's talk about Madden. What do you think of Joe? Um, I think it's ridiculous he doesn't have a contract already. I mean, if you look at the success he's had since he's been here, uh, you know, the guy deserves a statue out front. I mean, the NL. CS string, the World Series. I mean, there were three years where we competed for a World Series. I mean, you can't you can't deny that. Why no other manager has come in in my lifetime and can't been anywhere close to that. 
Well, you know what? As upbeat as I am on the Cubs and on Joe, and I agree with Mike, he, the guy, it's, a, it's an absolute, and you've heard me say this, Theo needs to get mad in the contract. Give him a five-year deal. If you fire him after the first year, big deal. Ricketts won't care. Won't affect his bottom line. But I, I cracked up about the statue. I mean, who are their statues of? Let's talk about them. We got Ron. Okay. Yeah, that's one. And then you got Ernie. Yeah, Ernie. He's pretty cool. Uh, you've got Harry. Hey, hey, Harry. Um, Holy cow. And number the- twenty-six. That episode's coming later. <laughs> little little hint to Mike. <laughs> no, I know they've got. A, I mean, sweet swinging Billy Williams. Billy Williams. Yeah, but you know. It, we're going to have to do a lot of podcasts to get to number 72. I think, isn't that Joe's number? That is Joe's number. Yeah, well, just join us in November, baby. But how many of those guys have a World Series? Uh, well, definitely not Ernie. Yeah. Definitely, definitely not, not Ron. Not Billy. Not Billy. And Harry, he probably doesn't remember if he was ever at a World Series broadcasting for the Cardinals, <laughs> the White Sox, or the Cubs. But, I, you know, he might have been around for the Cardinal World Series, but I mean, it's, I'm not sure. No, that, you're right. That's all you need to know. Who won a World Series? Uh, great manager. Bryant and Rizzo need to get their act together, and they need somebody to like get all over them when they're screwing up instead of Rizzo yeah. slapping everybody on the back. But So the All-Star break is coming up a week from today. Hopefully the Cubs will at least split with the Pirates. They've got another game tonight. We watched batting practice last night. That was bad. But... Um, one of the other teams that I like to talk about, and we'll talk briefly about it because Mike's been to some of their games, and that's the Milwaukee Brewers. And, uh, you know, Yelich is on a pace to uh, set the modern-day non, uh, non-enhanced-by-drug record. You know, he just needs to beat Roger Maris. The rest of those guys were on performance-enhancing drugs, as they call it. Um, but I mean, Yelich, man, if that if he's on PDs, he got gypped because let me tell you, he can't weigh 140 pounds, can he? No, but you know, Braun didn't look that big in the day. Yeah, back in the day when he was big supposedly now. on PDs. Yeah, that's true. That's he always, a good point. He was always a runt. So they got Yelich, they got Kane, Braun. They got a good team. They they just don't have any starting pitching, and I'm surprised that they haven't made a move. Aren't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, but they've uh, they've never really been a team that's spent historically, right? I mean, the, uh, they had that very unlike them year when they got Kane and a couple of those other big guys, but that's that's hasn't been their mo for decades. They've never really been one to go out and make a big splashy sign. Well, they got uh, you know they got those two guys and then they sort of stopped. But that's their mo. I mean, they were always very similar to the Royals in that regard. Uh, Baumgartner, would you get him? I haven't seen enough this year. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to almost count on a Hamels-like resurgence, and that's a tough. Well, a as tough you, as everybody knows, Baumgartner's in his. He's a free agent at the end of this year, and so the Giants, I'm sure, were hoping that he'd he'd have a great year. So far, last time I looked, he was two and four with an ERA just south of five. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Do you want him? No, I don't want him. He's a jerk because. He beat the Royals, my other great team. You'd have to, you'd have to like count that he performs in the playoff like he has in the past, but that's not a guarantee. And again, another disclaimer: I don't know Baumgartner. He may be a great guy. You know, I say that a lot. There are guys I do know, the people I know. I'm really not sure if they're good guys or bad guys, but I'll tell you whether I think they are or not. Anyway, then this Will Smith, who it seems like everybody that's a free agent 
has either come from the Royals or been with the Royals or the Cubs. Those teams seem to supply everybody. So when it comes to uh, Will Smith, stud reliever with the Giants, who's a free agent, who everybody seems to want to get a hold of, didn't do uh, didn't do the Cubs any favors by making the All Star team. I think his uh, his uh, value is going to be. You know, we don't have any prospects, do we? Yeah, we got nothing. Name a prospect. Um, not to put you on the spot, yeah. but, <laughs> but, like but who? Like That's just it. Right now, now, here's another trick question for Mike. Uh, and I said this to everybody around me the other day: a hundred bills. If anybody can name the Chicago Cubs' current batting coach, can't do it. Uh, Go ahead. God. Um, his name is. This could cost me a hundred bucks. Eric. That could have been last year. Eric. Um, Hinsky's now the assistant hitting coach for the Brewers. Damn it. Okay. Oh. Nobody. I mean, really. Uh, you can have the whole show to think about. It. I'll give you a hundred. His name. If I had is one. Larry? If we had more sponsors, I'd have a hundred. Is it Larry? <laughs> name Do the hitting know? coach. I mean, the pitching coach. The pitching coach is the guy from Tampa Bay. I can't remember his name though. Uh, no, that was last year. The guy that never had a. This year's Tommy Hatovi. Oh, yeah. Anyway, the hitting coach. He's the pitching coach. I don't know the hitting coach. I can't tell you the name. I've looked this up to try to, you know, if I ever screen anybody, but no. I, I mean, have, I should have been more confident. I probably could have convinced you I was right. Uh, no, um, <laughs> you can't. And then the guy last year was pretty good. Last year we had Chili Davis, and for yep. some reason uh, he was too good, so they got rid of him. Well, come on. I mean, they collapsed at the end. Somebody had to go. That's true. They did collapse. Somebody had to go. And, uh, you know, that's that's all we uh, that's all we know about the Cubs and, and the Brewers, apparently. So, Let's switch gears. Remember, one thing we always talk about is a good friend of ours, a good friend of Mike's, and that's Dave Nelson. So, you know, some thoughts about Nelly. Um, he certainly helped uh, encourage our love of baseball, and, um, you know, he always made it pretty easy to get a hold of tickets. So, good guy. What do you think of old Nelly Belly? Uh, I mean, you know, Nelly was, was part of the family. That's, um, you know, to put it mildly. I remember when I first met him was after the Indians were in town playing the White Sox. You took me to a game. We sat in the outfield. Uh, you told me you knew Albert Bell, which I thought was pretty cool. And then we went down to the locker room afterward, and I got to meet Kenny Lofton, Jim Tomey, uh, Manny Blue Bias. But a couple of the guys stopped and said hello, and it was, I mean, when you're nine years old, that's the potentially the coolest thing of all time. Even when you're 69 years old, that's what's cool. <laughs> you know, I miss a day for a lot of reasons, but, man, I don't, yeah. I don't get down on the field with Joe Madden much anymore. How about you? Yeah, no, never. But, you know, he was uh, he was at every Thanksgiving. Um, you know, he was he was just a part of the family, and it was always great having him around. And, obviously, he uh, we were supposed to go on that trip to South Africa last year, but, unfortunately, couldn't make it. But... You know, he's inspired a lot of great uh, things in my life. You know, opening my, my eyes to a lot of the stuff going on in Africa and helping those kids was uh, all because of him. So it's, he, he will leave a lasting memory for sure. Well, and one of the things that Mike and his wife Kate did with uh, my wife Kay and I was to go down to Open Arms, home for children in South Africa. And uh, you've heard me talk about it quite a bit, and I talked in detail last episode about the tribute to Dave and the contribution to Open Arms. 
that the Brewers did this year to the and named an award after Dave called the Nelly Global Award. But um, give those folks a little bit of uh, your insight into the uh, the just awesome uh, facility there in Coomga, South Africa. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to describe. I mean, you're on a, a mountaintop overlooking some of the most beautiful countryside you've ever seen, and uh, you're surrounded by just constant attention from these kids. They're so happy to, to meet you and to see you and talk to you and just get to know you in general. Um, but it, it's uh, it was a once-in-a-life, or I hope it's not a once-in-a-lifetime experience, but it was, um, it was something I've never really experienced before, just the overwhelming love and support and just the haul of the hard work that goes into taking care of those kids and giving them a place to grow up and mature and be safe you know which is the biggest part is uh it was unbelievable it really kind of changes your outlook on life which you know we don't have enough of those experiences and the kids down there loved old uncle davy and uh when when we got down there the first first day all they wanted to know was when was dave coming down <laughs> and uh so we were hopeful that he could get down down there but uh you know as fate would have it he couldn't but um you know mike spent a lot of time with dave dave spent a lot of time with our family and he uh as mike has said met met a lot to us and and uh his smile that everybody always talks about uh you know his voice everything was good i mean there's nothing there was nothing bad and then the kids picked up on that and uh and they miss him like everybody else misses him but uh that's that's a good thing about Dave Nelson, and we like to talk a little bit about Nellie on the show every every episode, and and uh, it just kind of connects it all. Uh, the other thing we talk about a little bit on the show is how in the world we all get connected to baseball. So I'm going to ask Mike to talk a little bit about, you know, how uh, even though he loves football, how he came to uh, enjoy baseball, and and uh, he's as uh, good a student of the game as there is out there. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I played growing up, Little League, at uh, the same fields that you played on as a kid. Um, didn't make the high school baseball team, even though I got I tried twice, got cut both times. Couldn't make that snap throw to third under pressure. A lot of similarities there with me. But, <laughs> uh, but it was really after, you know, kind of um, once I got out of college, living in the city, living by Wrigley Field, then you and I started going to, I think there was one year we went to 20, 25 games together or something like that. So... Uh, it really just spending time at the ballpark and enjoying the game and uh, just the intricacies of it. I love that there's, you know, there's thought that goes into every single pitch, every single move, every single adjustment. Uh, it's it really is a uh, an orchestra of putting things together and getting people in the right spot. That's it's just fascinating if you appreciate all the intricacies of it. I think it's they don't call Mike cerebral for nothing, man. That was a great. But great, it's, uh, it's just a great game. Expose on baseball. It is a great game. And uh, one of the things that, that I enjoy doing is keeping score at the games. And I enjoy going to the games with Mike a lot. And he's one of the guys, that, the kids that goes a lot. And as I keep score, Mike drinks beer. And I keep score <laughs> Mike's beer. Uh, so far, he's uh, up on me by a lot. But uh, we have a favorite beer vendor out there. That's how Wrigley is. Yeah. Well, what do you think about old Lloyd? Lloyd's great. You know, guy, I've never seen him in a pair of pants. Uh, he's worn shorts every single game. I'm I've glad ever seen, you clarified that. Which is uh, <laughs> I was a little bit nervous there. <laughs> your head out of the gutter. <laughs> uh, uh, we're never in the gutter here on the lighter side of baseball. He's unbelievable. I mean, he's there rain or shine every time, uh, and it's fun to make those connections. I think you know we 
just having the people around us in our seats always fun. You come and you see the same people, same season ticket holders, and uh, you really do establish relationships with people at the park, which is fun. Two things on Lloyd, and then we'll get to the people around us because it is kind of fun. It's a little bit of fever pitch, and it's not like our seats were where the seats were at fever no, pitch. God, no. You know, they were between the on-deck circle and home plate. Ours are a little bit further out toward right field. But, you know, Lloyd is the only guy that we, we've switched our season tickets three times, gotten closer to home plate, but uh, every time Lloyd was always the only guy we really recognized until, as Mike brings up, uh, as the Cubs got better, the people kept their seats, and so we enjoyed that. The other thing, I talked to Lloyd at the last game, and we're going to uh, uh, be fortunate enough to do a podcast with a, an appearance from Lloyd. He has authored, sort of authored, put together a book on the famous vendors at Wrigley Field over the last, I don't know, how many years did he say? Like 80? Yeah, it was, it was a big number. And then he's done the same thing with the vendors at Comiskey Park, which will always be the venue of the White Sox. And so I'm looking forward to having Lloyd. He's a good guy. He wears the one thing I never noticed, and I think Mike pointed out, that he wears he never wears a pair of socks that match. Now, does that really make him a great beer vendor? No, but it's kind of a quirky, it's weird a, thing. It's a gimmick. I mean, he's in shorts when it's when it was snowing. He's wearing shorts. Yeah, yeah. It's every time. I don't think he owns a pair of and, long pants. And here we feel sorry for the dude. He's got a house in Florida. He probably clears <laughs> three hundred grand a year selling beer six months of the, of the season, and uh, it's pretty funny. So fast forward to the fans around us. Uh, the reason they stuck around, not because they liked being near us, but because the Cubs were gradually closing in on going to the World Series. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, it was fun. It was that whole summer was, uh, you know, it was a lot of familiar faces. People weren't selling tickets nearly as much as they are now, and it it really did make that that season special. It was a lot of fun. So speaking of the 2016 season, we took in quite a few playoff games, took in quite a few of the NLCS games because the Cubs had home field advantage until the World Series, which. Um, I'm not sure if back then it was still being determined by the All-Star game winner. Uh, yeah, it was. I think it was. Now, I'm not even sure how they determine it. It's just whoever gets the commissioner to give them the ball game, the, that league is the home team, I guess, which triggers the DH and da-da-da-da-da. Uh, speaking of DH, what do you think of DH compared to the National League? Uh, you know, I'm a National League guy. I like the pitchers. I like having the pitchers hit and – there's pitchers that can hit. So, I, you know, I just don't see the... <laughs> there are pitchers that could hit better than a lot of the Cubs. <laughs> you know, we saw Chad would make a pinch hit appearance last night, but Otani, you know, for the Angels, he's their well, everyday right fielder. Yeah, there were three games in a row where Cub pitchers drove in runs, yeah. and one game where the Cubs got four hits and, the, and uh, Hugh Darvish got two of them. Yeah, Brad Brock last night had an RBI single. It's the yeah. best thing he's done for the Cubs all year. Maybe they had to fire the hitting coach and just <laughs> go with the pitchers giving a little bit of help. But anyway, on to Cleveland. The Cubs were down three games to one in the 2016 World Series. And not only were they down three to one, but they had to play two games in Cleveland. And I told you that in 1985, the Royals were down three to one. And uh, in both the ALCS and in the World Series, but they were coming home to play. And 
they won thanks to Don Denkinger in 1985, but this 2016 Cup team had to go to Cleveland and win two games, and we were fortunate enough to go to uh, game six. So on we went to Cleveland. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? It was unbelievable. Drove down. Uh, the atmosphere was unreal. I give Cleveland fans a lot of credit. They were uh, much nicer than I feel like we would have been. <laughs> we meaning Cubs, not, not meaning us. Cubs fans, we're yes. great. We are very, uh, we are very normal and not that hostile. But right. they were very welcoming, and it was electric. I mean, it, the game was never even close. I mean, we what Dexter Luckily. hit a leadoff home run? Was yeah. that the or, or was, was that, that the next game? game? I think game seven he started out that well, wacky game with a home run. Yeah, Addy had the grand slam, which really put it out of reach. Um, See, Mike's got a lot younger brain. I don't remember anything other than the lunch before the game. But that was, I mean, it was never even close. And we all knew going down it was either going to be an amazing night or it was going to be terrible and the worst ride home in history. But, I mean, that game was never even close. No. We had our foot on the gas from the first inning and cruised. Well, I'll tell you what, as a fan... Not being close is great, especially when you're oh winning. Oh, my God. Especially I mean, it made it relaxing, yeah. uh, even though true Cup fans were waiting for the roof to cave in. <laughs> and Game 7 was uh, not exactly the best managed game. Sorry, Joe, but you took a lot of heat, and I think if you were sitting here at the table, you'd say, hey, you know, uh, how many World Series rings do uh, Mike and I have? Well, together we have none. Uh, how many Major League at-bats have we had? None. But we can still criticize with the best of them. I criticize more than Mike. He's a little, he's a little more forgiving. But uh, well, yeah, that was a neat day. That was neat. And we drove home. Uh, I went to a bar and held on a table. Have you have you informed them of the fact that you really did miss the end of the game? I no, I don't think I've ever talked about that. Talk about the lighter side of stupidity. Mike's uh, referring to Game Seven. He went to a bar and watched it with friends. Uh, lots of Chicagoans were out. The SWAT teams were out. They were expecting a, you know, a, 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 after a hundred years of not winning a World Series, the city of Chicago was expecting quite a, quite of a overzealous celebration. But it rained like cats and dogs. Anyway, Kay and I watched the first half of the game at uh, another pizza place. I hope to be a sponsor of soon, and that would be uh, um, Milano's. And uh, anyway, we uh, watched the game there, and uh, we started for home, got through the rain, turned on the TV, and the umpiring was horrible. As I'm very pro-arguing umpire's calls, I called Dave Nelson, and I said, Nelly, are you watching the game? He goes, yeah. I go, is, is it me or is the umpire just horrible? And he goes, no, he really blew that last call. And, and so I had flipped the TV back one batter to talk to Nelly, and then hung up with Dave as the game was, you know, nearing an end. And uh, turned the, you know, TV back on, put whatever I pushed, and the game starts up again. And all of a sudden, the city starts going crazy. There's, like, fireworks going off. And I'll be damned if I didn't miss the last out, Montgomery, throwing the ball that Bryant fielded and threw to uh, uh, Rizzo for the win. And I, I'm going... Kay's yelling, we won, we won. I go, no, it's not over. He hadn't pitched the last year. Yeah, thanks dreaded, for bringing that up. The dreaded DVR. Oh, my God. That Technology was ruined it for you. That was funny, but actually. It's been your nemesis for years. Luckily, it saved all my uh, any cerebral activity or any cardiac activity. I was just pretty 
dumbfounded, but that was a nice, that was a fun night. And uh, here we are still going to games and still watching the Cubs. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about is I've spoken about it before, and that's uh, the Hall of Fame. I love the Hall of Fame. I love the early guys, the first class, the first inductees, and all that good stuff. I love the Negro League guys that have gotten in the Hall of Fame. I'm still pissed that Buck O'Neill didn't get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, the fact that they have a Buck O'Neill award is really little uh, consolation. But Mike and I went to watch the ghost of Ron Sano get inducted. And what do you think? That was that's a long trip, but fun. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I had never been to Cooperstown before. It's, uh, it's definitely a sight to behold. It's just a, a sleepy little town that is 14 and a half hour drive from Chicago, uh, we found out, which was a real treat. I had poison ivy in that drive, <laughs> but that's just a side note. Uh, but yeah, the the introduction was awesome. I mean, I I feel like we our our travel schedule for it was a poor decision. We were actually coming up here afterwards and drove straight through the night to get up here, which was like a twenty hour drive. Yeah, with Mike driving, it only took eighteen hours. <laughs> I fell asleep. I had this deal in my car that I could go back and look at the uh, what the maximum speed we had gone and Stupid technology. through some of uh, Michigan I think Mike figured the cops were asleep and he had it a little uh, excessive but we we got back here safe and sound and we were bound and determined to watch old number 10 and kudos to the veterans committee for putting Ron Santo in nobody in my lifetime belonged in the Hall of Fame more than Ron Santo um, and at that time I think the only other inductee was Barry Larkin and so it was just, I, it was Santos' wife and Barry Larkin. Why do I think it was Maddox, too? Was Maddox uh, for you? No, I mean, there's another great flag out in the outfield from the Cubs. Maybe the best pitcher. Uh, now, Fergie Jenkins might disagree. And then uh, on our last podcast, I didn't know Dizzy Dean pitched for the Cubs. I didn't know that. Number 22 for the Cubs. But, no, it was just, uh, just of the ballplayers, it was Larkin who gave a, you know, Larkin's a smart guy, gave a great speech. Ron's widow gave a great speech, and yeah, then that was a great uh, speech. you know we even went to a Cubs party. I think we talked to Tom Ricketts. Uh, we were under it. We did. We got to meet um, we got to meet Ricketts uh, by the porta potties, which was uh, a wonderful what place. What a better place to, to meet. meet. Um, and then we met Pat Hughes. We talked to Pat Hughes for a little while too. We did indeed. Yeah, great guy. Yeah. A lot taller than I ever thought he was. Skinny yeah, dude, tall. tall but great. And he, of course, Pat Hughes and Ron. Santo, now he's got Ron Coomer, but Ron Santo and, and Pat were great. You never heard much of the ball game, but uh, the banter between the two of them was uh, <laughs> was spectacular, kind of like what Mike and I have going. But, uh, so, I mean, it's a great place. Isn't it, it is. The museum's phenomenal. It's it's definitely worth a trip. It um, It is very much a little sleepy town with a, a very cool baseball history that I would highly recommend. So... In the true memory of our good friend Dave Nelson, here's, here's how Dave would start a lot of conversations, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to copy Dave. He'd go, hey, let me ask you a question, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, he was, Mike, let me ask you a question. So my question is, Mike is expecting a child here in the next few months, and so at some point, child will be old enough to understand a little bit about baseball. What uh, sort of uh, things do you want to teach your child, boy or girl, uh, about loving this great game of baseball? Uh, I think you got to take him there. I think you got to get him hooked on the experience at the ballpark. I mean, I think especially because we have such a 
phenomenal experience at Wrigley Field to to kind of pass along. I think that's that's really what it takes to get hooked because you can you can watch it on TV, but it's it's not the same. It's that that in person experience really is what what sets it apart. And of course, there's nothing more fun than playing catch with your kid. I mean, there's nothing more fun than watching a game totally. with your kid and. For me, it was big, as I've said, because my dad was a lot older than my buddy's dad's. We went to White Sox games all the time, and I think as much as I, you know, when you walk in, the first thing you see is this gigantic green object, and it's like, whoa, this is cool. And then guys come out in uniforms and play the game. And, you know, when you're, I was seven years old when I saw the first, well, the only no-hitter I've seen, but... I liked all that, but I think what I liked more, and I was an obnoxious, yelling little kid. I mean, I feel sorry for the people around me. The food back then was actually good, and the vendors were all cool. You know, they all had their own little shtick. They were entertaining, and you had popcorn, and you had had stuff that was fun to eat. Now, yeah, I don't know. I know they took away our Italian beef cart, Italian sausage cart close by, which was devastating this year that's a great point i was that was that made me sad i love so, that and, and mike is a frigging sausage expert having worked for two <laughs> sausage companies nobody knows sausages like mike yeah, i don't know other than like, bob Euchre. I, I don't like that tagline at all could we <laughs> so not we'll move on from that <laughs> but mike raises a great point that they they got rid of all the little carts out there and so now you go get a grilled hot dog mike knows hot dogs maybe that's <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what he's talking about. Specific brands. Mike's it would got be great. Sausages. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they got rid of the carts, and that's, uh, carts. that's too it's bad. It's all like this, you know. They got rid of our little club. We had a we had a blue collar club, a cheapo club that you could go to, and and Jimmy was a bartender, and and that was a great little club. They yeah. got rid of that for a five hundred dollar ticket club, and uh, things have changed at Wrigley, but it's still fun. We went to Joe Madden's restaurant the other day. Mike didn't, but the we being. Kay and me, and I give kudos to Madden. That's a great place. Uh, he's not a sponsor either, so I'm plugging all these people. Maybe someday Madden's post. They'll listen. It's yeah, inevitable. yeah. So uh, we're going to wrap it up for now. But this has been a blast, and Mike will be back by popular demand at another podcast. But uh, it's all about availability, I assume. It is all about uh, availability, electricity. We need electricity, and other than that, we don't need anything. But I've had fun. It's always fun to shoot the breeze and. Uh, this is Mike's uh, maiden voyage on podcasting. He's a natural. If I'm a natural, he's a natural. 